0: Hey, what's going on? This is beer today, beer tomorrow. This is Peter. What's going on? Perry, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good. Uh, you know, fresh week. Back in Queens again. Yeah. At least, you know, a spot I know to be good.
0: Yeah, I got you coming up to Queens often lately. And we're here at Station House, the best craft beer bar in Forest Hills, one of the best here in Queens. And we have two very special guests with us. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves.
2: Hi, my name is Adam Hayes. I'm the uh, buyer for Forest Hills Station House.
3: I am Adam Zuniga, the regional sales manager for Lord Hobo Brewing Company. Happy to be having an event at Station House tonight. Thank uh, coming out. I also host a passion project of mine called The Six Most Metal Breweries, a show about craft beer and heavy metal, which also finds a home here at Station House. Does
2: indeed and does indeed. We love some metal around here.
0: <laughs> so t- tell us a little bit more about, before we get into today's event, tell us a little bit more about that passion project.
2: Uh, the Six Most Metal Breweries, it is
3: meant to be a six-part series that highlights the The relationship, the distinct connection between craft beer and heavy metal. Um, We made a collaboration brew with Kings County Brewers Collective in Bushwick here in the city and launched it at St. Vitus Bar. And we have just found whatever the reason, like the band didn't work out. The brewers are fans of heavy metal. We see a lot of breweries around the country incorporating this, this interest, this passion, this energy, this aggression into their beer and their branding. And we are shining a light on it. And uh, it was, frankly, my way into craft beer sales because I quickly realized the people on one side of the bar are the other. One side of the bar or the other are often heavy metal fans, much like Adam Hayes Absolutely. here. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, some reps would do sports bars. Some might do Irish bars. I made it a point to do metal bars, and it was really my way into this industry in New York City. Wow.
0: Wow. That's awesome. So now, uh, tell us a little bit about the event that you got going on here. You yeah, know, Lord Hobo, you got a couple of beers on tap. Can you tell us what's going on?
3: So for Lord Hobo, we are fresh from Boston. We're relatively new to New York City. Uh, Adam at Station House was really the first to welcome us to New York City. He threw a mystery event before our cakes had even been formally announced here. And he's welcoming us back tonight for the Hobo Challenge, which is basically a, kind of a a head-to-head competition for our double IPAs, uh, Virtuoso at 8.8% and Consolation Prize, the reigning champion at 9.5%. So we're putting the two IPAs side-by-side along with a, a session wheat beer, or a session by comparison called Angelica. It's a hoppy, hazy, unfiltered wheat. That's the, the reward for anyone who survives Virtuoso and Consolation.
0: Very nice. And and now, just getting back into Station House, so can you tell us a little bit about the history and, and philosophy of Station House and how you guys approach your beer?
2: Uh, so in terms of what we do as a day-to-day project, we're not just a craft beer bar. We do specialize in craft beer, but we also specialize in, we have like over 150 whiskeys for you to right. try. We have our own house-made specialty cocktails, over 20 of those as well. And then obviously our, our gastro-style pub food. So we can offer a lot of, to you know to, to pretty much anyone who was coming to come the bar like hey you want to bring in your significant other you want to have a, like, a little date night you want to come with a bunch of friends there's plenty to you for you to like you know drink and eat here it doesn't just have to be craft beer it can be some awesome whiskeys here as well um, but we like we, we're basically just like a bunch of nerds like i'm the beer nerd here yeah. the gm he's like the whiskey and the cocktail nerd we've got a couple of nerds back in the kitchen the owner, proprietor Steve, like, he's worked in, uh, you know, the kitchen industry, like, a long time before he opened this place up. And he's also um, a resident uh, born and bred in Forest Hills as well. So it's more of a case of just, like, Forest Hills uh, the Station House giving back to the community. Like, you know, we, we love our locals. Um, like, pretty much every other bar does in uh, around the area. So we're just trying to give back to, you know make our experience here enjoyable for um, everyone who comes along
0: right on and I noticed in the whiskey menu you even have a section like for nerds that's literally on the menu
2: absolutely yeah indeed like there's some some, uh, randomly like rare um, so like we try to like give you like the basics like bourbon is bourbon rye is rye we will give you malts from across the world and then anything which doesn't really fall into those categories is more or less like a nerdy kind of whiskey so like high west you know they're not really like a through and through bourbon or rye distillery they like they like fucking around they're like mixing stuff so like son is a blend of a bourbon and a rye so that's why you get things like that and then some other weird stuff or some sort of like especially single malt stuff as well which we'll put in, into that section so it's yeah, we're definitely a, a, a big bunch of nerds around here, from yeah. from the from the front of house to the back of house. Everyone enjoys the experience when, like, are off shift, shall we say?
0: Very, very cool. And so, now, how did how did you uh, come to to work at this fine establishment?
2: Oh, it's a longish story. I used to work uh, at Union Beer about four oh, four and a half years ago. I was a sales rep um, in Midtown Manhattan, uh, and basically, my passion for craft beer before that got me. Got me the uh, got me the position at Union. Um, I've been to craft beer for a long time now. Before we even to t- um, uh, uh, coined the term craft beer, um, I was, I think, what my first year at university back in 1997, back in England, was really my year of like, hey, I'm going out getting wasted most nights like you do when you're at university first year I was like drinking whatever beer was available and I was waking up in the morning feeling like fucking shit I'm like I don't do this anymore so I was like I want to drink something that tastes nice I'm wasting all my money on on something which is disgusting and I'm waking up feeling like a piece of shit so I was like hey why not like go out there and drink something nice yeah so back in 1998 there wasn't really craft beer it's more of like what we could find locally whether that was real ale whether that was like you know German or Belgian style beers so really, then I was falling in love with German pilsners, Belgian sours, Belgian um, uh, you know, Belgian uh, wheat beers as well, um, and then obviously you know traditional English styles from a porter, you know some old school stouts, you know all the classics, what we know as classics now. Um, uh, That's really what got me started, and then I moved over here uh, eleven years ago, and obviously the craft beer scene was was slowly booming, and yeah. suddenly sort of like, that was basically just like, I was I like, picked it up immediately as I and then I fell in love. That's how it came to be. Oh wow,
0: very very interesting. So, did you, when you came here, I know it was eleven years ago. Was there a particular brewery or a particular craft beer that kind of got you into the American craft beer scene?
2: A uh, particular craft brewery out here, you'd have to start with like Sierra Nevada. Like that's obviously widely available. At that point in time, we were getting like very small amounts of Sierra. I think every now and again in London. So you, you still, there's things you've got to pick up, which we know is like some of the original um, uh, entrepreneurs from the craft beer industry in America, who'd make it out there and like that sort of like um, a tickle my taste buds, shall we say, in terms of like what we have over here now. So when I first arrived, like it was the brands like Sierra, Lagidas, Rogue, all those guys sort of like making like, the, like the, what we could get our hands on more readily in bars and in bottle shops. And then every now and again, you'd be like, oh, okay, uh, like, Firestone came on the scene, that exploded, like, people are yeah. going crazy for that, like, people were going crazy for all the new brands anyway. So that's pretty much sort of, like, where I sort of picked up American Craft Rearform when I, when I originally landed here.
0: So what's your kind of own personal philosophy when you approach the beer buying
2: here? Um, so we're, we have, we're a bar for everyone, you know, especially our locals, so we can't just have crazy hot bombs and we can't just have, like, crazy acidic sour beer we have to have like a balance and i like to keep a balance uh, approach to the menu so we only have 16 draft lines and that really gives me a a, a limited scope but it gives me a scope where i can balance out our menu so we have what right now we have two double ipas on tap an ipa a wheat beer a saison a pilsner a a light lager which is normally a culture line um, imperial stout and nitro yeah. beer, a cider I, there's plenty for everyone, It's something a little fruity as well, nice sexy little fruity sour from single cup which they gave us which is quite delicious I think, what do you think of it? Yeah I'm definitely liking it Yeah, yeah uh, and obviously um, uh, we've got um, a seasonal line so we have a delicious um, Oktoberfest which I'm drinking right now from um, Hofstern, we've got a really beautiful unfiltered um, I would think, it, I think it's like one of the original recipes from uh, Munich apparently, wow. from what the guys at B United say so shout out to Michael from Be United for yeah. hooking me up with this one, it's delicious
0: yeah, shout out to Michael. Uh, and now and now you guys also have cans, you have bottles, and you have some rare, like what you call rare and exclusive kind of beers as well, right?
2: Yeah, like, you know, we try and keep, uh, obviously draft is pretty much where your margin is going to be made, and that's obviously fully rotating. So we make our margin there, and we have, like, a, just a small selection of um, canned and bottled beer in terms of our regular menu. So if no one's really feeling the draft, and they can have, like, access to some some basic items, like, like a, a wheat beer, um, a pilsner, uh, a stout, things like that, and then we got some random ass, crazy stuff. Which, you know, people look out sometimes and like, hey, what's this? And I'm like, oh, why is it so expensive? Like, because one, it costs a lot of money to make. It takes a lot a long time to make, and three, it's sometimes really rare as well. So like, we go. I think we had. Um, we still got that J.W. on, I can't remember. I think I, I think there maybe like one or two bottles left downstairs. It's a 2013 Lagavulin cask um, oh, wow. at J.W.'s Harvestdale. Wow. So, yeah, things like that, like, I'll just squirrel away, and, like, when one goes, the next one comes online. Right. Right on.
0: You know, Adam, for you, what was, what was your kind of initial um, introduction to the craft beer scene? I know you mentioned with the whole project you're getting into, but before that, like, was there a particular beer, a brewery, that kind of put you onto the whole craft beer phenomena? Oh
3: so uh, i've been in new york city for about 10 12 years now Uh, halfway in between i i tried my luck in los angeles and i was not a fan i came crying back to new york man i could not relate to it as a city lost in the desert but while i was there i got uh kind of heavily involved and invested in in the craft beer culture the community that was established in california at the time uh there's a few i could cite but stone really kind of drove home the the west coast the hop craze like the filtered refined west coast style ipa and as a result you know i came back to new york city to kind of see what i could do with it right what was an established industry there at the time was just on the rise in new york so i kind of packed up from la i started my cicerone certification i moved back to new york city i started working in beer retail and have worked for a number of breweries since, and really been a privilege to like be a part of the craft explosion that's taken place in New York City Like really over the last, I want to say like five years in particular. Yeah. You know? This town, we're going to probably one of the most difficult spots to own and operate a brewery, is now leading the charge for craft beer among cities in the United States. And the bar culture keeps getting better and better, which is why I continue to come to spots like Station House, because I can... I know I can trust them, rely on them. There's never gonna be a dud on tap. There was always gonna be like a lot of thought behind anything that's on tap, and I'm always happy to wait, work my way through the draft list, man. Cool.
0: And now, how did you, uh, how did you come to get affiliated with uh, Lord Hobo?
3: Well, Lord Hobo, uh, you know, I kind of took some time off to reconnect with what led me to beer in the first place—the passion, the enthusiasm, the interest, the education behind it. And as soon as I uh, was looking to get back to reality, Hobo was looking to launch in New York City. So we are here as of May basically this year. They created a role for me basically managing sales for the region, overseeing New York City along with New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And I think just given the, the current state of choice in the market, like just the wealth of breweries, you know, everyone wants a moment on the New York City stage. I could not resist the opportunity to launch a brand here from scratch. You know, to take yeah. something that was absolutely brand new and one of the most competitive categories, which is, of course, is IPA. Yeah. And just to basically lead the charge here in New York with it.
0: So now as Hobo, is, is there a particular like staple beer that, that you guys are really pushing or is just a series of beers under the IPA style? So
3: Boom Sauce is the flagship Northeast New England style IPA. The name really sells it, but we believe that the taste drives people back everything like i keep saying is kind of in the hazy the hoppy the unfiltered category uh we're all hop heads you know There, are are far worse yeah. addictions and like hops are one we're proud of sure
0: absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely and now and and when you're selecting and, and setting up these these tap takeovers first of all how often do you do them and kind of you just do it by preference or just you know how, how do those relationships kind of come to fruition
2: uh, it's interesting sometimes like we used to do like one every week, and then I was like, because it just then it feels like pressured, and I'm just putting something together for the sake of putting something together. Now it's like mainly every other week or once a month, depending on like how busy we are, also what I've got in the cellar, what people are going to come out with. You know, every now and again we'll get a new brew release uh, will come in, or a new literally a new brewery launching as well. That's you know, back in May I snuck a few kegs out of union, um, and Adam let me do a mystery night, very very kind of him. Um, oh, that's cool, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's it's it really is like you know contacts, people you know, um, keeping relationships with other breweries who aren't necessarily local breweries as well. So if you can keep an eye on one their social media, two any releases that you know that they may or may not be coming out with that we we might or might not be able to get over here. Like sometimes it's a case of just like reaching out to them directly and say, hey, is there any chance that we can get that over here, or is that going to stay in your? in your hometown market. So it really does depend on a variety of factors and then I like, just got to pull them together and, you know, make a decision on, you know, when those events happen and put it in a schedule hopefully it all fits together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, do you, uh, you guys said it's not really on a set schedule. Do you do any other types of events here beyond just like the tap takeovers? You guys have any other things? Hey, going it or-
2: depends. Like, Every now and again, like we may have like a theme behind it. It's more of a case for me. It's I, I'm not really fussed about a theme. Sometimes it's cool if it is, but I'm more concerned primarily about the beer that's going to be poured. Yeah. I like, you know I still want to keep a balance. Yeah. If, if certain breweries lean more to the hoppy side, I have got no problem with that. We can definitely um uh, we can definitely work with that. But having a balance across the lines and also giving the people the chance to say like, hey, if this brewery is well known for this style of beer. But also, like, they make good beers from a pilsner to a lager to a Belgian-style ale, not not just hoppy beers or a gigantic imperial stouts. So it gives them an opportunity to like show how well you know they can they've mastered the art of brewing as well.
0: And now, and and as far as the the menu goes, do you guys uh at, at, do you guys have? Pairings with beer or potentially like, you know, the whiskey either before, during or after. is, is Does that uh, come into consideration when putting the menu together?
2: Every now and again, like we have a weekly special um, and dependent on, like we used to do daily specials, but if uh, it was challenging on the kitchen to like really tune them out at the quality we ex- that we, we, you know, we, we used to keep in here. So um, every now and again, if we find something that's going to be special in terms of what I have on the beer menu and it's going to work with the flavor profile of of the weekly special then yeah we'll throw one in the mix every now and again uh, whiskey wise that's not doesn't really happen very often like normally we have our whiskey wednesdays where it's three dollars off pause or a specific whiskey which has been promoted that that week um uh, not really in terms of what we do on our, our pairing them together like if, we used to do flights but we found that we weren't really getting the full flavors on a, on a small flight of um, uh, whiskies. I don't do flights here because I don't think it's something that really um, gives people the opportunity to enjoy a beer. Right. I'd rather them have like a full pour or a half pour if needs be. And then you can enjoy the beer like, you know, 16 ounces or a nine ounce. And that still gives you the full flavor, aroma, and aspect of what the brewer's really looking to portray rather than just a small three, four ounce pour. And now,
0: so a question for both you guys. I mean, obviously the craft beer scene, we, we talked about it, it's growing, it's expanding how do you see the craft beer scene today and, and where do you see it kind of going from here?
2: You want to go first? Oh. You, 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 you do the brewery thing first.
3: So I'll say two things. Um, from a Lord Hobo point of view, man, sure. you know we are basically trying to scale up what people are typically doing on a small self-distributed scale and show that like bigger doesn't necessarily have to be bad, man. We want to bring the same quality, authenticity, freshness, and consistency to the market without people having to like wait in line, camp out overnight. I think consumers are generally getting tired of that. I know when you work on this side of the industry, kind of generally developed point of view you should never have to wait in line for a beer. So we want quality beer to become more and more accessible because quality beer is not a secret anymore. That said, I do think there is also, from a consumer perspective, just renewed interest in like clean, simple, straightforward flavors and respect for the history of beer that of course led to the further development of craft beer. I mean, I cannot wait to give like the Oktoberfest a try that Adam is drinking right now, one of the original. Delicious. So I do think, you know, consumers, one, they don't want to have to camp and wait and like buy for beer anymore. Right. But two, there is a healthy appreciation for beer that tastes like beer. Not excessive, not overly fruited, not, you know, flavors that ultimately kind of dilute or arguably corrupt like the fundamental elements of what beer should be. Right. On.
2: <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> That's was, that was good. Yeah, that was, how'd you follow that? That was a good answer. <laughs>
3: we'll think, say great minds, man.
2: Yeah, uh, maybe from like um, a buying or um, a buyer's perspective. Personally, I, I just want to keep everything balanced. So it's, I just want to have an opportunity to pour many different styles of beer. Um, the way I see that going forward is. Uh, well, I would like to see breweries like show us what they're really capable of in terms of brewing cleaner beer. So, like, what's wrong with doing like a nice Kolsch, a Pilsner, a Helles, or a Lager? Like, yeah. It's it's interesting, like, I would, I'm would i more fussed about quality over just quantity of jamming that new beer out into the market every week or for a can release or whatever. Like, well, I'm not going to go out there and support and say hi to the people I know, but, like, really, maybe you want to see a turn in like, hey, we can brew all these other styles. Uh, Maybe they're money money makers, and I know that's difficult for breweries, especially in the local market. Rent in New York City is extremely high in comparison to the Midwest or uh, on the West Coast. So maybe there's always going to have to be like an IPA in the mix, but like something else when they get the space, I would like to see that, and I think people would also want, after you've crushed like a few Imperial IPAs or like Haze Bombs, you have like a really, like your palate is kind of, It's blown. Yeah. And maybe you want like a nice sour ale. He's going to clean it out. Or maybe you want uh, a Pilsner or a Kolsch to really sort of like balance it off as well. Like especially, I know I crave a lot recently, especially in the heat, I just want a Kolsch. I really just like fucking drinking Kolsch. It's light. It's easy drinking. I still get like that little fruity note that an ale offers, but it gives me a general crisp note as well. So Pilsner's Kolsch is what I've been drinking a lot recently. The old barley wine, because everyone knows barley wine is life. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with barley wine. Life go. and
3: death, for that matter. I've yeah. never seen anyone pay better attention to their draft lines. And even if everyone is offering like an IPA at any given moment, Adam will say, no, I want a diversity and a wealth of styles, and I want the best craft breweries representing it on the planet right here and now. So yeah. you know you can always come here and find like a Kolsch, a Lager, a Saison, a Sour. You know it's always going to be represented.
2: Here's that $20 for saying that yeah. as well. <laughs>
1: yeah, we've been to a few bars where they, they make a point of saying, you know, like, their locals can come in and say, uh, can I just have number four because I know that's usually the whatever. And I know I like that even if I don't know anything else about that style of beer. Yeah. So, like, having that consistency for people that are just getting into it is awesome.
2: Yeah, like, we have locals here who, like, they like coming here because they like the atmosphere. It's not, a, it's not so much a sports bar. It's not really uh, like a not super, super loud during the week, maybe a, on the weekend you we get a little loud. Um, but people just come in, like I know a few locals, all they want to do is they sit and drink even a cold pills and they know exactly what line number that's going to be. And the bartender's like, cool, I got you, don't worry. So yeah, yeah I definitely agree. Like, you know, having a little consistency or like a, a breadth and depth of what's going on is always helpful for locals as well, as well as new, as well as new customers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you got the live draft system, which is kind of cool. So you can watch the beer uh, and see the quantities that are left. You know, Digital I always thought that was kind of cool.
2: Um, it's pretty rad. It's, uh, I get so I get to fuck around a it at home. I get to fuck around with it here, so <laughs> I get to keep an eye on it on my phone. Like when I'm not here, I'm like, oh, what's going on this week or what's going on tonight when I'm not in. So yeah, if I get I get notifications of kegs kick, um, I got to keep an eye on it. Like, what am I drinking when I'm in next? Yeah, I mean, or, I definitely
1: I take advantage of the untapped tie-in. Yeah, yeah. So knowing, you know, what's what's out available in the area or wherever I'm going, you know, like instead of like showing up somewhere and going uh, because some bars, yeah, they have all kinds of crazy stuff, but you're not really interested in any of it, yeah. potentially, right? But being able to look that up before you head out is always really awesome.
2: That's great. That's what I will say, going back to your original, uh, one of your original questions like, how do we see things moving forward in the beer industry? Like, social media is, has become a very very yeah. full the for the good and for the detriment of the beer industry to a certain certain extent uh it's definitely something which you have to be on top of whether it's as a bar or as a brewery as well i think it's become something which has been a it's a powerful tool and if you can utilize that really well um uh, then i think you know the the craft beer industry and the bars behind that will will do well Um, you know we can't all afford um uh, macro lug and money to like um, uh, piss off craft breweries when you know they're taking the piss out of us but I'm, I'm assuming we're all adult enough to um, uh, know that they're suffering from uh, our endeavors and yeah. um, uh, you know one day you know maybe it will be a, 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 a little bit higher f- up the food chain than they, uh, than they like
0: yeah you have yeah. to have an identity
3: man yeah bar or brewery you have to be distinct good beer first and foremost but they have to know it's you absolutely
0: you gotta have that brand I think Social media, I agree. It's, it's done. It's done a lot of good things and some bad, but it definitely helps establish the breweries. I mean, e- even just the fans. I mean, you see, all, everyone's trying to trade and get cans. And me personally, I'm not. I'm not big into the trading for a couple of reasons that we've spoke about in the past. But I, I do respect that part of it because it's like a subculture of it, and it helps grow the breweries beyond just their state. I mean, now, you know, people are trying to get beers some all over and, you know, you may not get that distribution. So it's interesting, but you're definitely right. I mean, we talk about it a lot on the show. It's not about, you got to have great beer, but it's also, it's, it's a business. You got to be able to define who and what your business is.
3: It's a business more than ever. I think craft beer is all grown up now. Yeah. And like I said, man, everyone wants a moment on the world stage and that is New York city. It's just, It's funny to watch as breweries continue to open, how everyone tries to up their game in terms of social media, marketing, branding, label art and design, all to establish themselves again as like a distinct identity in the market because that's what you need now. Quality product first and foremost, but a name, a label, an identity that represents it.
2: What was that fucking um, Muppet brewery who decided to like make stupid um, political uh, comments, that literally like making uh, they're, they're planned on making their beers uh, after sort of like very sort of aggressive political uh, movements so i think one of the uh, one of the beer names was like black beer matters obviously after black lives matter i was like holy no, shit no, what are these no. people fucking doing now i there's like there's i can i get like you need to have like an identity but I like, i just i saw that i was like that's not not the right way to do things no, no. yeah but Quality i guess beer
3: first and foremost yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I guess they're just trying to grab some of that, you know, social media buzz. You know, get that buzz going, and I guess some places just will, they'll figure they'll do whatever they want to they want to try to do to get some of that buzz. Because uh, you know, I'm not sure
2: if that's buzz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah buzz, yeah, or stupidity as well. It's like I wasn't really sure what they were doing. Well, a lot when... of times,
0: st- stupid, stupid shit gets the <laughs> buzz. You know. Like, <laughs> People will talk about stupid shit, you know. Yep. <laughs> I'm definitely getting a light buzz going right now. <laughs>
3: After Constellation Prize and Virtuoso, how is that Virtuoso, man? Really nice, yeah. really dry. And
0: I have a Boom Sauce I've had before. Mm-hmm. I have never had uh, this brew before. Uh, actually, Boom Sauce is probably, to be honest, the only beer form from Lord Hobo that I have had. So excited to be trying some of these new beers
3: tonight. Well, another and another this evening. So there, brace there yourself. you go. There you go. There you
0: go. So now I ask this question to both of you guys, obviously other than Lord Hobo, what are some of the breweries present day that are, that are impressing you guys, that you guys are you know, excited to see what they're gonna come up with next?
2: Um, I've always been a huge fan since they arrived in New York City, of uh, Firestone Walker. Um, I fell in love with Peebo a long time ago. I think it's, you know, everyone knows it's one of the best American, um, American-made um, uh, pilsners. Yeah. You, know, you can get reasonably well distributed across America. Um, you know they have a, a good depth and breadth across their portfolio whether it's from Buellton um, uh, to the new location um, uh, where they can produce great quality real ales um, and also they have an excellent um, uh, facility and uh, Barrel Works where they're producing some excellent, excellent sour beer as well yeah. so that for me is like in terms of like one of the, I wouldn't say older breweries but like they've been around for a little longer than other, other new breweries have They've always impressed me. Um, another, another favorite of mine will probably be Burial. serve sort of the same thing. Like they have such a uh, a great philosophy when it comes to beer as well. Um, uh, Tim, uh, their um, head brewer and owner, you know his his passion towards what he does is you know it really comes across like when you meet him and definitely obviously in his beer as well. Uh, they do. They have like a wonderful. They have, again have a wonderful program going on in, um, uh, in Asheville. And if you haven't been there, please, I'd highly recommend going there. It's, it's a beautiful place. It's a fun place to visit, and the beer there is excellent. Going back to my whole depth of like what they do, mm-hmm. they love lagers. They, I love their culture. I love their um, uh, any pilsner lager they create. They have, and have excellent um, ranges of uh, IPAs and stouts. And every now and again, they'll throw out something interesting in terms of um, uh, a sour beer or a Belgian style as well. So they definitely have, you know, the, the nouse. Uh, you know what they know is going on. Those are the, really like, the two that stand yeah. out for me. Obviously, a huge fan of True Brewing out in, um, out in Denver. Um, uh, very much metalheads, some uh, super awesome, awesome guys. Like, they don't resend really their clean beer here, unfortunately, um, uh, but what they do send in terms of the sours, very rarely is, is always impressive. So, every now and again, I've been lucky enough to try some of their cleaner stuff. Has really hit the mark, but again, their attention to detail in what they do um, uh, with something that they age in their fooders or if it's on fruit or something a little bit more experimental has always impressed as well. And obviously just cause their metalheads, they they sort of like, you yeah. know, really, really sort of like resonates with me as well.
0: Right, yeah. right on, right on.
3: I mean, I'm gonna second and third all this. I love it that you can come out to Forest Hill Station House and Adam throwing events for Burial and True or Burial and True together for that yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Talk about a way about working your own personality into the draft lineup here, man. More power to you. Um, I, I, on some level, maybe you're asking for a plug for some of our favorites, man. But I mean, you know, KCBC, Kings County Brewers Collective, these are some of my best friends in the industry. But it's not only that, it's that I believe in their beer. Like, to cite again the reference to clean, simple, straightforward flavors, traditional styles, you know, KCBC puts out Janiac, Maniac. They're Pilsner man, they make a Strap Hanger, which is a rice-based lager, proving that something like rice, when used correctly, when used in moderation, can make for a quality craft beer. And, of course, they did the Black Lager with us. We called it a Black Pilsner, our collaboration beer between KCBC and St. Vitus Bar. But I think the greater point is, like, these are good people making good beer. Mm-hmm. Good beer is not exactly a secret anymore, you know, the secret is spread. You know, not even to put in the time and the effort can make quality craft beer now. But you got to have good people behind it. There's no room for assholes in this industry anymore. Right. So when you meet someone like KCBC, you want to support them, you want to drink their beer. When you meet someone like Tim from Burial, one of the nicest dudes in the industry that is also putting out a quality product, you know, it is a privilege, a pleasure, and a joy to, rep- to, to drink their beer, man. Yeah. To represent Burial in New York City, to support them in New York City. So... Again, man, I think good beer, first and foremost, good branding, marketing, social media, that's all a part of it, man. Good people is ultimately what's gonna continue to sell it and drive it home and have staying power in the market. These, these are the people I support. KCBC, Burial, and whoever else. So
0: now, with with Lord Hobo, so what what's next for you guys? Now you guys started here, said around May, so, so what's next, what can we expect?
3: So, the big news is the uh the tap room is being renovated and they're gonna throw the doors open come october oh wow i'm hearing it's gonna be like very viking industrial chic we'll see what form that ultimately takes it's gonna be in the spirit of the lord hobo bar which is in cambridge mass and i gave adam like the one can of pilsner that i had we're gonna try to like diversify a little bit uh the brewery is a sight to behold and i think they're They're brewing 60-barrel batches on average out there, but they have a 10-barrel system that's allowing them to experiment with the idea of a Pilsner, of a Golden Ale, of a Stout, of a Porter. So we have a, a core group of beers that we are really just trying to own and perfect and kind of drive home. But there are going to be like increasingly diverse styles kind of going into the market, first and foremost, Massachusetts. And if we're lucky, maybe we'll get a taste of it in New York.
0: Right on. And as far as Station House, so what can we expect? You know, going forward, you guys are obviously a staple in the neighborhood. But uh, what else? What else should the audience know about Station House?
2: Um, I would probably just say to keep an eye out for our events, whether it's um, cocktail challenges, whatever we got going on on our Whiskey Wednesdays, or whenever I sling someone up on a board in terms of uh, our beer events. You know, there's always something going on here, like weekly. So it's just a case of like keep up with our social media, um, and then. Plan out coming out like in two weeks time i'll have surprise surprise true brewing um uh, six lines they're very very kind to send me some very limited kegs so we'll have six lines of true brewing up a couple of weeks after that we have um uh, firestone and family so it's firestone boulevard and omegang mm-hmm. there'll be a some very big beer going on there i've poured at a few firestone uh, six dolls we'll probably get some cool shit from uh omegang and um uh, and from boulevard as well so that's nice like tie into like three different breweries yeah. for those guys and we also after that we have our annual dare I say it pumpkin event. Oh. so okay. if you guys like pumpkin yeah. beer please help me fucking drink it <laughs> 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 because I gotta do this every year <laughs> and I gotta do this on our new spot in Astoria so Oh, uh, that's going to be so much fun. Two Saturdays in a row of crushing pumpkin, pumpkin beer. Pumpkin beer, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's we'll take, pra- pra- yeah, take-, take one for the team. Yeah, i got to take one for the team. you take a few for the team.
0: you got two Saturdays <laughs> yeah. in a row. Uh, <laughs> Steve,
2: Steve, Steve, uh, Steve, our boss, is the one who t- he does, he does the hard work. Like He carves out like um, maybe 50 to 100 like, little sweet pumpkins. And if you want, you can pay for that, a of bucks, and then you can keep that for the rest of the night and pour all your pumpkin beer in there. Wow. So, yeah, drinking from a little sweet, sweet pumpkin uh, is, I don't know, without adding cinnamon sugar to your rim, yeah, you know, I don't know, have a choice <laughs> of that. So, I'm not going to uh, say it, man. October 20th, uh, uh, The Historian in Astoria, uh, and then October 27th, uh, yeah, we'll have some crazy pumpkin stuff going on here as well.
0: And now, um, cra- crazy pumpkin stuff aside, but, but the, uh, the Historian is affiliated, Correct.
2: Yeah, so we're um, uh, we're a, a not very well known group of bars. So I would say what well, Bronx House and George Keeley's are probably more well known in terms of their respective uh, boroughs. Station House is probably reasonably well known in terms of Queens and obviously Forest Hills. Yeah. And then the Astoria just opened up. uh well, yeah, opened up in December. Very very late opening in December. Uh, and Now the train is back open yeah. um, at 30th Avenue in Astoria. So. Um, uh, we're slowly picking up there but again I do the beer program the GM is the same GM here so if you're looking for a similar sort of you know not as far a trek maybe and you're looking for a similar program like again the same the same um, uh, you know we, we all have the same values at, this, at those at those two bars so we want to have great beer we want to have great whiskey we yeah. want to have great cocktails a nice atmosphere with some good food to enjoy all as well
0: yeah. sounds fantastic that, that sounds really great and now you, and as far as um, and again it's for both of you guys as far as people want to learn more about what you guys are doing <laughs> learn about a station house the historian Lord hobo uh, where where's the best place for the audience to do that
2: so I would say our Facebook and Instagram are pretty much updated daily with whether or not it's going on in terms of events or just specials or random random posts that we put up. Um, otherwise untapped is up is always updated in terms of our beer menu whenever a keg kicks and it's changed. I'll also update our events there as well. We have our own webpage, you know, that also highlights the food menu, the entire whiskey list. Um, uh, and you know, if you want to like, just have like the basics in terms of open air and stuff like that, that's, that's probably the best one to hit up. But yeah, our social media is, okay. I think we even have some Snapchat, not that I Snapchat, cause I'm too, <laughs> too old for that shit. Uh, <laughs> I like, barely, know how to, barely know how to fucking use Instagram. So, uh, but yeah, like we have oh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Apparently we uh, have all of that stuff. So okay. all right. plenty to play to see and do, I suppose. I,
3: I uh, cannot speak to Snapchat either, but, uh, Hobo has a very strong social media marketing branding online presence so you can visit the bar you can visit the brewery check out lord hobo's instagram account uh for all the kind of doings here in new york city festivals around the country for that matter and of course we'll be represented with others at gabf this week for the six most metal breweries you can visit our website it's www and then spelled out the six most metal breweries.com there's a form on there to reach out join the band tell us your favorite metal breweries tell us the most metal bars in your hometown your nearest city We want to see you on the road, and the goal is to get this show picked up and developed a series so we can travel the country doing it. Wow. So you tell us, and we will come to you, my friends. That's awesome.
0: Perry, any any parting comments, questions for our guests?
1: No, just, you know, always good music. Last time we were here, food was great. Beer's always tell us. Thank you. No complaints. Got to come out and check it
0: out. Absolutely. And I guess the last thing I'll say is, is there anything else about Station House or about Lord Hobo that we haven't touched on that... It's it's critical for the audience to know anything at all.
2: That's a challenging one. That is, I mean, we've gone through a lot already, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that um, I'm not trying to get too political, but we are very friendly to you know anyone. We 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 don't judge. You know, we we love to welcome anyone from all walks of life. You know, we got some Brit wanker who. Uh, works on the floor and orders their beer. So, and then we've got you know some uh, some crazy people working behind the bar. We got some awesome people in the kitchen from all walks of life as well. So I think you know the fact is like we are very much a diverse culture here, and we're very much you know very inclusive for whoever wants to walk through our doors.
3: Actually, yeah, I, I can say on a similar note, the name Lord Hobo. It's meant to represent that you know beer is the great unifier. It is the common denominator. Whether you are a lord or a hobo, we all deserve access to quality craft beer. Absolutely. And uh, drinking it together for that matter. So I would want to ask you two a question. You always do this in a live setting during happy hour over beers?
1: Not always happy hour, but definitely live. <laughs> yeah, o- always, always a
0: live setting, almost always uh, on location. And the times, they really vary. The yeah. dates, the times, Yeah.
3: Very, very much enjoy. It's like they're drinking here with us, yeah. man. Yeah, so,
0: drink yeah. that. That's the whole vibe. Thank you for bringing right. the
2: audience in. Hell. Have you got any stories for us? I'd love to hear some like rare, like crazy stories that you've had like during a podcast or just like at uh, bars and crazy stuff like that.
0: Oh man, I mean, th- I mean, it it depends on how the show goes. I mean, some shows were on the level, we were pretty in control. Some shows we've just been drinking all day, and then they bring us in to do a show. <laughs> And they just give us more beer, and then it's just a shit show, and That's we're just awesome. all over the fucking place. Um, but, I mean, we, we come across the most interesting part of the show for us, really. I mean, obviously, the beer the beer is great, but it's really about the people behind the beer, their passion, their motivation, why they got into it. And we hear some interesting stories. I mean, me, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Perry, but I never thought we'd be inter- uh, interviewing somebody who owned the bar. Remember the bar in the city? The guy was a former um, former FBI agent. Yeah. And oh, um, yeah, and it was like kind of it was kind of bizarre. this dude was in the FBI, and and he was telling us a story. On one night, someone tried to steal a painting off the wall. And they had to chase him down. So, you know, we come across a lot of lot of interesting characters. Um, some of the shows where we get where we get a little too sauced, get they, it goes a little off the rails, but in a good way. <laughs> but uh, I think really the most interesting thing is just the different people, and you know what brought them to craft beer and just their passion. And it's the story behind the beer is great. You know. That's the prerequisite—is good beer, but it, it's it's the people, the passion, and the motivation behind that beer that really drives that really drives the show.
1: Yeah, and I mean the city is such a melting pot, right? Like you literally meet people that have been here their whole lives and people that have been here six months, and they've come from every you know, like you said, all walks of life. But they all came here, and the reason we're talking is beer. So nice. it, it always does turn out to be like an amazing thing because even though we're enjoying beers together, we're meeting some of the close people in the city.
2: Yeah, that's rad.
0: Like you said, it's a great unifier and a great equalizer. And, um, and on that note, you know, that's what we always say, drink local, drink fresh. Repeat, cheers to our guests. Guys, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for spending some time with Thanks us. Thanks for coming cheers,
3: out. gentlemen. Thank you.
0: And, uh, yeah, we'll check you guys on the next one. Cheers. cheers.